0: Hello friends, and welcome to my Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Kathy Jo Hart. I am a Christian speaker and author of God's Chosen Helper. Our focus is to discuss the hot topics of the day and how it relates to the Bible and the lessons through the love of Christ. Today, I wanted to talk about the problem with the word religion and the erosion of foundational values. We're going to take a look at the biblical principles and values that have shaped our country, the warning made by the founding fathers, the current attempts at unraveling the fabric of our institutions, and what we need to do to regain civility in our country and the world. To begin this segment, we need to identify the problem with the term religion. And it begins with how religion is defined. Current beliefs of religion are that it can involve one god, no god, or thousands of gods. Religion can be misused to justify violence against anyone who disagrees with their ideology. Religion doesn't have to have a deity. It can be an idol of politics, of race, of climate change. And even sexual orientation. Religion can be an ideology that believes in nothing spiritual, but everything based upon their logic and intellect. These types of religions always lead to destruction because the idea of value is subjective. Human rights are not valued equally, and for the elite, human rights are a privilege for the powerful. The Bible is filled with examples of these types of false religions and we have seen the oppressive and destructive nature of man's sin-inspired beliefs. It has been the intellect of man that has used their beliefs to justify hatred, intolerance, murder of innocent lives, and war. Just look at the evil that is happening today. And I'm not just talking about Hamas, I'm talking about the toxic cultural push of fear driven politics. It is the removal of Judeo Christian principles and values and replacing it with tyrannical domination tactics. Instead of embracing differences as strengths, these differences are being exploited as group identity divisions. We no longer have disagreements. We have brutal attacks to silence the opposition. We have a culture that is breeding exclusion to erode foundational values. The Bible warns us about division in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, and it reads, "'Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Since the lockdowns began over three years ago, we have witnessed out-of-control escalations of divisions by political activists pinning one against the other. We have seen the vitriol of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, abortion versus life, open borders versus sovereignty, School boards versus parents, the egregiously flawed social experiment of sexual orientation, and now the extremism of anti-Semitism. We are allowing godless cultural values to destroy the very fabric needed for a civilized society. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the divisive rhetoric on every news station. We're not fighting for equality. We are not fighting for equal human rights or peace. When God was removed from society in the 1960s, the possibility for equality, for human rights, and peace went away. Once the Supreme Court removed the foundational Judeo-Christian values from public life, we witnessed an immediate counterculture rebellion. We immediately began experiencing the destruction of foundational institutions with one of the most important foundational institutions of the family. You want to destroy a civilized society? You have to first destroy the family unit. When the word of God was removed from public life, it was replaced by secular humanism, which not only was it a rejection of God, but a new cultural belief of a self-centered way of life. Culture became pleasure-based self-governance, where immediate emotional and mental gratification became the subjective measurement of right and wrong, where free speech exchange of ideas was encouraged as long as God was removed from the debate. We know how this works. Those who have read the Bible have seen what happens to a godless society. All of this that is happening right now, all of it has happened before. We are not as sophisticated as we would like to believe. It is even predictable if you know history. Same sin, same destruction, same enemy. You see, the founding fathers did not want America to be a utopian experiment. History had already shown that human nature was sinful and that moral laws needed to take precedence over human laws. They knew the importance of freedom, freedom to do what was morally correct. History had already shown that the powerful elites would use force against those less fortunate, and they wanted to create a country that had a system of checks and balances and separation of powers to govern the people. They created a republic that gave every man a voice to be heard under a premise that all men are created equal by God. Religious liberty was not to be a privilege but a right. They knew Christianity was necessary for the pursuit of happiness and prosperity, as Christianity has been proven to be the greatest equalizer in human history. According to the National Center for Constitutional Studies, when the Declaration of Independence was written and adopted in 1776, nearly 100% of the people were Christians. 98% were Protestant, and 1.9% were Roman Catholic. Simply put, the Founding Fathers believed that the law of God formed the basis of good human laws and that religion and morality formed the basis of liberty and that the equality of man came from our Creator. For those who are unfamiliar with Judeo-Christian principles and values, Let's begin with God's laws found in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. These are external laws that were created to be permanent, unchanging, and universal. This was, and still is, the recipe for how to have a good and civilized world. Sadly, many of the current youth have no idea what these laws are or why they are so incredibly important let's begin with the preamble of the 10 commandments it reads i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the place of slavery god is establishing his identity his authority and his relationship to mankind Our Founding Fathers correctly believed we had and still have an obligation to God and that these liberty-preserving principles transcends human opinion. God declared this in the first verse, how he delivered his people out of slavery into freedom. This is proclaiming liberty according to the Hebrew Bible. First Commandment you shall have no other gods before me. This shows that there is one God for all of mankind. One God, one moral standard, and one authority for all people. Second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. This is because any other god is a false god. False gods will lead to evil. You worship a false god, you will see a world filled with brutality. False worship includes any person, place, or thing that you value higher than the source of God, such as a false prophet, political activism, country, sex, or the self. This next commandment is the worst sin of all. There is no greater sin, and this is the one that God will not forgive. So pay close attention because many get this wrong. The third commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now he's not talking about swearing, saying, oh my God, Is not what he is talking about. He is talking about committing evil in his name. And we see this today with Hamas. The Ten Commandments were written by God thousands of years before Muhammad was even born. God's laws are permanent, unchanging, and universal. Let me say that again God's laws are permanent. Unchanging and universal. Any religion that misuses God's name in committing religious evil is deemed an unforgivable sin. We are not to use his name for evil purposes ever. Fourth commandment Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, what is God saying? We are not supposed to work seven days a week. This includes all of us our sons, our daughters, our servants, workers, and our animals. Why? Because only slaves work nonstop. This is the freedom God commands that we all take that day to be with family and engage in community in His. Name. Note the inclusion of animals in this commandment. God cares for the dignity of animals too. There is beauty and wisdom in taking a day off from work. This also signifies God did not intend for us to be slaves. Fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is where our culture gets it wrong, even more so now. We must teach our children to honor their parents, and it is important for parents to be an example by honoring the grandparents. God knows parents are not perfect, and there may be times You may not agree with how you were raised or the choices they made along the way. Be very careful about this because one day your children will judge you in the same way you judged your parents. No one has the gift of clairvoyance of knowing what the future will bring. But know that even in times of perceived unfairness, God commands us to honor our mother and father. God doesn't command children to love their parents, but to honor them. This is a very unique command, as the two greatest commands are to love God and to love thy neighbor. This shows the relationship between the parent and child is special and unique. And this requires special attention to the relationship. Without this, society cannot survive. So, the next time you hear an online psychologist say for parents not to have children give hugs to the grandparents, understand the importance of showing honor to the grandparents. Listen to the word of God instead of poor advice by secular TikTok influencers. And parents' role is to protect their children from those who seek to destroy the family unit. We see this today with the transgender movement. When you begin seeing the schools or the state separate the child from the parent, this is the first thing a totalitarian movement will do. Their goal is to break the parent-child bond. When this happens, great destruction and evil comes next. This. Is a warning from God that this can never, ever happen, and we must stop anyone who tries to break that parent child bond. The sixth commandment you shall not murder. This really shouldn't need further explanation, but unfortunately, it needs to be explained. It is illegal and immoral taking of an innocent human life, period. Let me repeat this. It is illegal and immoral taking of an innocent human life. This is really the most horrific thing we can do to another human being. We can never allow man's laws to override justifying, murdering, innocent human life. But you know what? Human nature can justify anything to fit their desires. And to be clear, there is a distinction between killing and murder. Killing animals for food is allowed. Killing another human in self-defense is allowed. But killing in the name of God is not allowed. Killing in the name of convenience or prosperity or a false god or idol Is not allowed. Seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. As you may have noticed by now, God is very protective of the family unit. Anything that destabilizes the family is prohibited, and this is probably one of the most difficult commands for humans. But God has very high standards for the family unit. The family is the building block to a stable and civil society. Adultery destroys the family. Even if the mother and father stay together, it does significant harm, not only to the non-cheating spouse, but it has a profound dysfunctional impact on the children. Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal. So far, God's commandments have been very specific. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But this one encompasses everything else. The open endedness of do not steal encompasses the intangible things in life, too, such as freedom, liberty, reputation, dignity and trust. Cancel culture seeks to steal a person's dignity, their reputation, their livelihood, and in some cases is done at all costs. The destruction of this type of stealing is purposeful to humiliate and dehumanize another person in order to silence opposing viewpoints. This is considered a major sin because it destabilizes the family and society. Ninth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. False testimony is one that seems to be in abundance today. We have seen this with the Me Too movement. We have seen this in our courts and special counsels, and we have seen it applied against those who have opposing opinions. It is dangerous when there is contempt for the truth. Truth Truth-telling is important because when we apply false witness to a group of people or beliefs, we can convince thousands of good-intentioned people to do unimaginable atrocities. We saw this with black slavery. We saw this with the Holocaust. We are seeing this with the transgender movement And we are seeing this on full display with the anti-Semitism movement. Lies are perpetrating evil on innocent people. And the Bible warns us in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. In the 10th commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Let's bring this into today's world. Covet means wanting what someone else has. Look at the smash-and-grab mobs, carjackings, adultery, luggage, computers, jewelry, animals, etc. This can lead to stealing, to murder, to false testimony, and adultery. When the Supreme Court and politicians eliminated God and the Bible from public life, It did exactly what the Founding Fathers knew would happen if society turned its back on God. And this is why their belief in the authority of God was essential for Americans to have freedom. By eliminating the teaching of the Bible, it eliminated the knowledge needed to keep America free. Here is the warning from Benjamin Franklin. I agree to this constitution, and I believe further that it is likely to be well administered for a course of years and can only end in despotism, as other forms have done before it. When the people shall become so corrupted as to need despotic government, being incapable of any other. Benjamin Franklin believed that no people could remain free if they became wicked and immoral. He knew this would lead to a despotic, tyrannical rule of law. The fear of the Founding Fathers was that one day we would lose our freedoms to a godless, tyrannical, totalitarian form of government. Religious freedom was to be fiercely protected because the Founding Fathers saw first hand persecutions of those who did not have. Religious freedom. This was never to be taken away through legislature, and this is why it is in the United States Bill of Rights. And our culture now condemns anyone who openly speaks about their Christian faith. They are automatically labeled phobic of some type, and the gospel of Christ is automatically deemed hate speech wanting to keep Judeo-Christian principles and values, is now considered nationalism. It isn't phobic, it isn't hate speech or nationalism to want to keep peace, prosperity, protection of moral liberties, and to be a free nation. We have seen the opposite of freedom, and one should never want that, ever. This is ignorance and purposeful ignorance is especially dangerous. Even John Adams was weary of a godless nation when he wrote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Now, to explain this further in detail, I'm going to quote a published paper written by the Robertson Center for Constitutional Law titled, preserving a constitution designed for a moral and religious people. In there, they quoted another founding father, James Madison. Our constitution requires sufficient virtue among men for self-government. Otherwise, nothing less than the chain of despotism can restrain them from destroying and devouring one another. The quote continues. Madison believed the success of the union ultimately depended on the virtue of the people, as government is downstream from culture. He argued that a virtuous people would courageously defend their rights, while a fearful people would readily cede these rights in exchange for a fleeting sense of security. Madison believed that the family, the church, and educational institutions should transmit virtues, such as honesty, integrity, self-restraint, concern for others, respect for their dignity and rights, civic-mindedness, and more to each to a new generation." Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, James Madison, and the vast majority of the Founding Fathers all agreed the greatest threat to a free nation was a godless society. They knew the only way government could restrain a godless people from destroying and devouring one another, you know, corruption, murder, stealing, contempt for truth, was to remove freedoms and liberties and become a tyrannical police state where every movement, every thought, every decision would be decided by the government. Do you see where we are now, and do you see where this is all going? When God was removed, the value of the Constitution diminished too. We can see the horrific consequences our founding fathers warned us about. So what do we do now? We must bring God back into the schools and into our public lives purposeful ignorance should no longer be allowed. We have to re-establish the Ten Commandments as the ethical standards and principles for a good and civil society. If we want true equality, prosperity, freedom, and peace, we need God, period. As for the churches, this is where we are today. As Dr. Bob Utley said, quote, there are some churches that wouldn't let Jesus come into the church because some of the different denominations and misinterpretations are against Jesus's teachings, End quote. He was right, but Dr. Utley said this in the conference meeting in 1987. It was a concern then, but unfortunately has become a sad reality. The church really needs to come together in the unity of Christ. As Paul asked in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 13, is Christ divided? No. Christ is not divided, so neither should churches be divided. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10, Now, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. But we also need to be very careful when studying the Bible. It is not a science book. You will not find the answers to the pyramids or other scientific mysteries but you will learn why the Bible is the gold standard for archaeologists. It is not a rule book, but a holy book that tells us how to be saved and redeemed. It is filled with knowledge and wisdom. And if there is any confusion or misinterpretations that causes confusion, there are over 65,000 cross-references of Scripture throughout the Bible. And there will be misinterpretations if you don't study the author's intent of the scriptures. And we cannot base Christianity on how one voted for or against political policies in the past. When the Founding Fathers compromised on slavery in order to get our new government established, it was in no way a reflection of God or his authority. Jesus warned us about compromising with evil. It never turns out. And this is why Jesus didn't compromise with the devil when he was tempted. You cannot compromise with evil. This was the biggest mistake made by the founding fathers, and they knew it too. They believed that those in future generations would correct their mistake of compromise. But as we have learned through history, Compromising with evil has disastrous results. I saw this meme the other day that said, Blaming God for bad Christians is like blaming Beethoven for a bad musician. When a person plays Beethoven poorly, who do you blame? And we have to end this false narrative that Christianity is moral perfection. If this were the case, then no one Would qualify as a Christian. This is why there is a moral authority who is perfect, and that is God. He knew human nature was, and still is, incapable of moral perfection. This is why His law exists as a standard which we are to live by. We are sinners and need Jesus to help us find our way to God, because without God, there are no standards. Without God, there is no freedom for anyone. And as we end this segment, I leave you with this. In the year 1789, George Washington created a day of prayer and supplication to the Lord. His proclamation was to ask God to pardon our national and other transgressions and to render our national government a blessing to all people. We celebrate this day every year, but sadly, many do not understand the purpose of this holiday. So this year, as we gather with family and friends, please share the true meaning behind George Washington's Thanksgiving Day Proclamation of 1789. In God we trust. Amen.